You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. If you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. Uh, we are continuing our sermon series uh, called First Things First, where we're looking at the foundational values of our church here at Hope, and I uh, hope you've got a lot out of the series so far. I know I have as we've kind of worked through each week. We started with unequivocal authority, the authority and sufficiency of God's word, and then the second week we looked at unapologetic proclamation, the importance of proclaiming, preaching God's word, how that's so fundamental here, the unashamed adoration where we're lifting high the name of Jesus, Last week, we looked at unceasing prayer, prayer, believing firmly in the power of prayer, right? We believe firmly in the power of prayer, and we have lots of opportunities for you here to engage in prayer ministry here while we're here together. One of those ways is you could get involved in our in-service prayer teams. We're just kind of starting this ministry up again here in the church, and if you're interested in being involved in this amazing, powerful ministry of prayer, you can actually sign up and be part of a team that is even praying right now as we are here in our service together. You, just, you can just go to prayer at hopeoakville.ca and send a message there and someone will get back to you on that. But today, today, all right, today we're talking about this, our fourth pillar out in the lobby on the screen. Go to the bookstore, look to your left, Here it is, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness, unafraid witness, unafraid witness. We want to talk about unafraid witness. That comes from the word evangelism or the Greek word euangelion, which is literally sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, as the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. It's an invitation to others that by God's grace and through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. I, I can't think of much bolder and grander statement than that, that actually because of God's grace and through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. It's awesome. I'm so thankful for a church that proclaims Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as the central, climactic, changing event of human history and our lives. I love the fact that we stand firm on John 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. All these bold statements. We believe and we affirm that our world needs Jesus. Our families need Jesus, our neighbors need Jesus, our schools need Jesus, our towns and cities need Jesus. The homeless need Jesus, the business executive needs Jesus, your doctor needs Jesus, the cashier at the grocery store needs Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. And I... I don't struggle, I'm sure many of you here this morning don't struggle with believing the importance 
of the need for a bold witness of the good news about Jesus in this world. Most of us don't struggle with that. What we do struggle with is being the bold witness for Jesus in this world. Of all of our pillars, I would say, for my and my own life, and perhaps for yours as well, that's probably the largest gap between what we say and what we do. Sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness is challenging. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe, and it's helped me this week as I've worked our way through this chapter, it helps us with our struggle. And Paul really summarizes the chapter in verses 20 and 21. We're going to spend most of our time just in these two verses. This is what he says. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If we are going to truly be bold witnesses for Jesus in this world, we must embrace our God-given appointment. Paul puts it this way in verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. An ambassador is a representative. It's someone who's appointed, usually an appointed diplomat who's sent out from one country to represent that country living in another country. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, as a country, we actually have a long list of people we actually pay to go to other countries and represent us. I don't know if that's good news or bad news for you, but I'm just telling you, it's a pretty big, long list. We have... We have, uh, we have ambassadors to the, to the United Nations. The main one is Bob, Bob Ray. Some of you know that name. He is the ambassador to the United Nations. We have ambassadors to countries like India and, um, and Japan and uh, uh, Argentina and Croatia and Finland. One of my favorites, Barbados. <laughs> we have all of these. We have a long list of countries where we send people to actually represent us. They're appointed representatives sent out, and, and from time to time they speak on behalf of our country when they are present in that country. Paul here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors, and the we that he's talking about is himself and the group of people that are traveling with him and, that are ministering in to, to the Corinthian church. We, Paul's team, he says, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are appointed and sent out to speak on behalf of God to the Corinthian church. And God is actually making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. He, is, he believes this is his God-given appointment and he's embracing it. You say, well, that's amazing. Right, I, I can see how that's true for the Apostle Paul, but does that mean that it's true for me? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're in Christ, could you say with confidence that God's call on your life is to be an ambassador for Christ? That's the question. 
We have this tendency, I think, when we think about being a bold witness, being an ambassador for Jesus, that that's really for the gifted people, right? For those who are gifted at that. Um, maybe people who have the gift of evangelism. Praise God for the people who have the gift of evangelism who are amongst us. It's amazing that, God, that the Spirit of God has given to you that. I, th- I think my mother, when she was alive, had the gift of evangelism. Um, I know there's no need in heaven for an evangelist, but I could still see my mom doing her thing, you know, kind of thing. Um, my mom, ne- never, there was never a room that she didn't know how to work. Right? In a good sense of the word. I remember when she was uh, suffering with cancer and, and going to the cancer clinic waiting room. And I don't know if any of you have sat in the cancer clinic waiting room. I have. There's a lot of emotion going on in the cancer clinic waiting room. And I remember going with my mom and, and watching her just, you know, guided by the Spirit of God, just starting to talk to other patients as they all had to wait, you know, asking them what their names are. She would pray with them. She would ask the names of their kids. She would write them down on a pad, and then she'd go home and pray for them, and she would invariably tell them about Jesus. Gifted, you know. She was really quite gifted. We have this tendency, I think, sometimes to think of, of, of that, of bold witnesses or ambassadors of people who are gifted, or, or maybe it's just for the few, right, just for a few people like, like Paul, the apostle, or pastors, or preachers, or missionaries. We should praise God for the few that God sets apart for these kinds of ministries of the word, for sure. But the question is, are all, amb- are all disciples ambassadors for Jesus, or is it only a few? This is an important question because Jesus in the Gospels actually addresses this issue. In John chapter 17, verse 18, he's talking, you know, Jesus is talking about the Father. He says, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them. He's talking about his disciples into the world. John chapter 20, verse 21, he says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. For what? What's he sending them for? Well, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Based in verse 18, based on the authority that Christ has, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is sending out his disciples, he sends them out with this mission. I want you to go, and I, and I want you to make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. Right? I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father. I want you to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, so, like, all those verses, like, is that just for a few? And then there's Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where, where he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Is he just talking to the 12? Well, you know, you know what our church believes, right? If you know what our mission, the mission statement of our church is, right? We are what? We're, we glorify God by what? Through the fulfillment of the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. See that banner up there, right up there? Right up there? Follow, my, follow me. Just go like that, right there. Right? 
That's, a, that's, that's our call. What we, what we believe, what we believe as a church is that, is that God just, is, this isn't just for the few, it's for, for all disciples of Jesus Christ. This is what the, call, the calling is on our life. And so when we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, where Paul is saying, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We should see that, yes, this relates to Paul and his team in a very specific way, but applicationally, certainly it applies to all of us, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. All followers, everyone who is in Christ, are appointed by Jesus, sent out by Jesus to make disciples for Jesus, who are witnesses for Jesus, who are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So if you are in Christ, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That means, I think, for some of us, as we think about all those verses we just looked at, for some of us, that would mean that we should be considering a, maybe a change of location and perhaps a change of vocation. The Joshua Project says, Alive on this earth today is 7.7 billion people, and 3.2 billion of those people are categorized as unreached or least reached. That means they are not only lost without Jesus, but they actually have no access to Jesus. Almost 42% of the world still has no idea of who Jesus really is. 41.7 percent, for those of you who are doing the math. We are sent out, we sent out by Jesus. We have a specific mission to actually go and make disciples of all nations, the peoples of the earth. And 42% of the world doesn't know who Jesus is. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Perhaps the Spirit of God even now is or has been placing his hand on your heart and your mind, and you, when you hear those words, you can't help but think, Lord, Lord, is, do, you want, do you want me to go and do that? Maybe you want me to help plant a church in Canada or maybe in Vietnam. The disciples of Jesus are called to the people groups of this world here, there, and everywhere. And at the least, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should be asking yourself this question, God, where is it that you want me to go? Is it here? Is it there? Even so, Lord, send me. So for some... For some, a change of vocation and maybe a change of vocation. For many of us, probably not a change of location or vocation, but a renewed sense of purpose and passion. We are sent out by Christ right here now to represent Christ, to give the good news of Jesus to those who are around us. John Piper on the screen says, Desire that your life count for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without a passion. He said that, and don't waste your life. 
and our purpose, our passion should be this. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God making his appeal through us. So if we are going to, if there's any chance, if there's any chance that we are going to become bold witnesses for Jesus, we must start here. We have to embrace this God-given appointment on our lives. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And then here, second of all, we have to then also check our motives. There are like so many reasons, so many excuses why we aren't bold witnesses. I think the number one thing in my life and perhaps in our culture today is this one. I just don't want conflict. I, I, don't, I don't want any trouble. I don't, I don't want to have to deal with problems. because. And I know, I know down deep in my heart, when I'm starting to have conversations with some people about Jesus, I actually know there could be problems. Some of you work different, in different environments and different places. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't want conflict. That sometimes is a reason why we aren't bold witnesses. Some people would say, I just don't know how to do it. I don't have all the answers. I'm not sure what people would say. Some people would say, I, I, I just don't have the time to do that. Like evangelism is some kind of like thing, something you slot into your time schedule. Others of you might say, well, I, I mean, I'd like to, but I just don't have any relationships with people who don't know Jesus. I mean, the list... Right, you could, you could add, uh, I'm, many of you could add more and more, longer, longer lists of reasons why you are not a bold witness for Jesus Christ. I'm sure, I'm certain of that. But what I do know this is if you are going to be a bold witness for Jesus, you're going to have to, be, it's going to require of you the right kind of motivation. Guilt and shame are not the right kind of motivation. Some of you, as soon as we start, as soon as you heard the word evangelism and evangelion and bold witness, you started feeling guilt and shame. Right? That's not that's not the motivator. That's not the long-term motivator for, for you here. You know, like I'm sorry, I can't believe I haven't done that. I'm such a loser. Why am I not doing this? That's 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 the evil one who's coming after you with that. Like, don't that. What you need is you need the same kind of things that motivated the Apostle Paul to be an ambassador for Christ should motivate you. And he actually mentions two of them here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The first one is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. Let me read those verses for you. It says, So whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Here's the first motivation. You want to please the Lord. I'm motivated to be an ambassador for Christ because I want to please the Lord. Look what he says. So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For, he says, verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. He says, my aim is to please God. He has this God-given appointment to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You have, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a God-given appointment 
to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. So he says, I realize because I have this God-given appointment that I will be accountable for that appointment. He talks about the judgment seat of Christ in verse 10. He refers to that in verse 11 as the fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord he's talking about in verse 11 refers to the fact that he will stand before the Lord and hold account to him at the judgment seat of Christ. He's not fearing people. He doesn't have the fear of man. That doesn't motivate him. The fear of man doesn't motivate him. He's not trying to please other people by, doing, by being an ambassador. He's not trying to be affirmed by his friends so he, to by being an ambassador. No, he has a reverent fear of the Lord. This isn't about the court of public opinion, about what people think about the Apostle Paul. He's not concerned about that. All he's concerned about is the court of a holy and righteous God. This in this context, is not a judgment of condemnation. Paul knows he is saved in Christ. He has been declared to be righteous through Jesus Christ. This is not about whether he's going to spend eternity with the Lord or not. This is not a judgment of condemnation. It's a judgment of commendation. He realizes that one day he will stand before the Lord accountable to him with what he has been asked to do and he will be rewarded accordingly. Stewardship is what this is about. It's all about stewardship. And so Paul says, you see that in in 5 verse uh, verse 11, he says, therefore, knowing this fear of the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ, what does he do? He says, we persuade others. I've been given this call to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, God making his appeal through us. So I I understand that that's God's gift to me. He's given me that to to do. Therefore, I will follow through with that because I know one day I will be held accountable for that. I just want to please the Lord. You know, when you wake up on Tuesday morning after your turkey hangover, right, you get up. In the morning, you go, Lord, I just want to please you today. And then here's the second motivation. The second motivation is in verses 14 and 15, and it's the love of Christ. I love these verses. He says in verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He says the love of Christ controls him. It compels him. The love of Jesus for us. I love this phrase. For our sake he died and was raised. Just stop. Let your mind focus on that. For our sake he died and was raised. Because of Christ's love, I then no longer live for myself. I live for Christ. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The love of Christ. You've got to dwell on these two critical realities and let them motivate you to be an ambassador for Jesus. When I was seven years old, 
my mom held a backyard Bible club in our neighborhood. And I'm going old school because I am old school, okay? So she held a backyard Bible club in our, in our neighborhood, and a, a, a young lady from Child Evangelism Fellowship came to our house Monday through Friday, and she shared the gospel with me and my friends. That's what, that's, that's what happened. And one day, and I remember it like it was yesterday, she talked about the fact that, that I had a sin problem, and because of my sin, I was separated from God, and that had to be changed. And that Jesus loved me so much that by, by God's grace and through faith, I could, that, that could be solved. She went to 7150 Justine Drive in Malton, Ontario five days. I have no idea who she is. If she's still alive today, she's in her 70s. Just an ambassador for Christ. God making his appeal through her. I just, that day, I just, I felt it that day and I still feel it today. I'm so undeserving of God's grace and his love. And I'm telling you, my salvation is not a piece of information. It's an ongoing reality in my life. Jesus said in John 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And as I have found that the more and more I abide in this love, the love that Christ had for me, I, you know what happens? I don't live for myself. I just don't live for myself. There's the more and more I dwelling and I'm abiding in God's love for me in Jesus Christ, that that, that is the, the, the answer to selfish living. Like it's like all it's like, wow, I live, I can live, I don't live for myself, I live for Jesus. We make it our aim to please him. We steward what we have been given. Not only am I saved, not only was I saved as a seven-year-old, but I was actually set apart by Jesus, appointed to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And as undeserving as I am to be a recipient of God's grace and love, I am equally undeserving to get to serve my king like this. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God making his appeal through us. And if we're going to continue to be God's bold witnesses, we have just got to realize that we have to stay on message. Look at what he says, number three, in verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And those Four words, be reconciled to God. It indicates to us the problem, the fundamental problem that we have in this world. Everyone needs to be reconciled to God. Our sin alienates us from God. We are, and we are responsible for that alienation. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody gets a pass. 
All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and therefore we must be reconciled to God. What's the solution? Well, look at verse, look at verse 17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. How is it possible that God would not count our trespasses or sins against us? Look at verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How is it possible? Jesus takes our place. He becomes our substitute. This is substitutionary atonement. He took on all of our sin to become the once and for all sacrifice for all of our sins. He died in our place. What we deserve, he became. And the result of that is an imputed righteousness in verse 21 when he says, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to us so that because I'm in Christ, I am now the righteousness of God. God declares me to be righteous because I'm in Christ, the one who is righteous in every way. And I can't tell you, all I can tell you is this, that's awesome news. Like say, the best news ever. So I, you know, we should all be praying def- desperately for our neighbors and by name and our loved ones by name and our coworkers by name, those who don't know Jesus Christ. We should be praying and asking God to give us opportunities to have sensitivity, to be aware when, when there's a good opportunity to actually share the gospel with somebody. I, I, I believe in that so much in the power of prayer, of just paving the way for us to be able to be ambassadors for Christ. I, I believe so much in the importance of building bridges to the sharing of the message of the gospel by caring for others, by practicing hospitality and kindness and gentleness and participating in ministries of justice and mercy just like Jesus did. I believe that we need to be better at having conversations with people. For sure. Like maybe on Tuesday when you get back to work and somebody say, hey, what'd you do for the weekend? You know, what was your Thanksgiving weekend like? Just say, hey, you know what? On Sunday, I went to church. Just let it hang, you know. (laughs) See where the spirit takes the conversation. Or maybe you're aware of a coworker or a loved one who's going through a really difficult time, just like maybe a situation that's very similar to a difficult time that you were going through and you could just share them. Like, you know what? My faith in Jesus really helped me when I was doing this. We're just having conversations with people, seeing where the Spirit of God needs to... I believe that we need to learn how to listen better. All these things are true. But we must share the good news about Jesus. Paul in Ephesians 6, verses 19 and 20 says to the church at Ephesus, he says, pray for me. He says that 
words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We've got to tell our story, what life was like before Christ, when we, when we believed in Christ and what our life has been like since we met Christ. But more than that, we need to tell God's story. God's story. We need to talk about the sin problem that, all, that everyone has. We need to learn how to do that. We have, to, we have to point people to the solution, being Jesus Christ. He took our place. He died for us out of his love for us, so much so that we can be declared righteous so I can have a relationship with God now and forever. We've got to stay on message. Absolutely must stay on message. We have to tell people about the good news of Jesus because there is so much at stake. And that's the fourth thing. We need to feel the urgency. You see what he says in verse 20? He says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's no greater need for all of humanity, every single person, than to be reconciled to God. This is an urgent need. It's an urgent need. Without the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, everyone is destined to separation from God for all of eternity. When this life is over, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ and his saving work on the cross, you will forever be separated from God in hell. This truly is what spiritual death is. God help us if we don't feel the urgency. Our families need Jesus. Our neighbors need Jesus. Our co-workers need Jesus. The nations need Jesus. God makes his appeal through us, his bold witnesses. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are, those of you who are in Christ, ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Betty Stam and her husband, John, were martyred for their faith in China in 1934. Betty was born in 1906. She was born to parents who were missionaries in China. She lived in China. In 1926, as a 20-year-old, she returned to the United States to go to Moody Bible Institute where she met her future husband, John. They both returned to China as ambassadors for Christ and were married in China in 1933. They died a year later when the communists captured them and killed them for their faith in Jesus. And while a student at Moody Bible Institute, she wrote a prayer to God that she placed in the front of her Bible. And I, I want to pray this prayer for us today. Because I believe with all my heart that being a bold witness is going to require of us a total commitment to Jesus and the appointment that he has placed in our lives. May the Lord hear these words spoken from our heart to him. Can you put those up on the screen, please? I want to pray this over us this morning. 
Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with the Holy Spirit. Use me as thou will, and work out thy whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen.